0: How many know that we live in a noisy world? Now, I didn't say nosy. We for sure live in a nosy world, but I'm talking about a noisy world. Matter of fact, I saw a bumper sticker just the other day and it said honk if you hate noise pollution. <laughs> There's a man, his name is Bernie Krause, and, and he, what he does for a living is he records nature sounds for television and movies. And I was reading an article by him, and it said back in 1968, he could get one hour of nature sounds, of undisturbed nature sounds that didn't have any airplanes or cars, stepping on it in about 15 hours of recording time. takes taking 15 hours to get one hour of uh, nature sounds. Well, he says, now it takes almost 2,000 hours to get that same one hour of undisturbed nature. I mean, noise can be deafening. But what's interesting is that you wouldn't think that noise would be a problem back in the Old Testament. No cars, trains, automobiles, or anything like that. But in 1 Kings chapter 19, we find the prophet Elijah And when we see him in chapter 19, he is ready to throw in the towel. Anyone ever felt like throwing in the towel? Verse 4 says, I'm paraphrasing, Lord, I've had enough. God, just kill me now. Put me out of my misery. And God tells him, Elijah, go to Mount Oreb, and I will meet you there. So Elijah goes up to the mountain and the wind comes and shakes the mountain violently. But we see, according to the Word of God, that God isn't in the wind. Then there's an earthquake, but God isn't in the earthquake. Next, a huge fire covers the mountain, but we see that God is not in the fire. But then we find in verse 12 that after the fire, a still, small voice. And God showed up to speak with Elijah. Now, some translators have translated the end of that verse as God was in the sound of sheer silence. God wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. But God was in the silence. But what's interesting about silence, though, in this modern day is that many times when there are intentional moments of silence, I mean, it bugs us. We're bothered by it because we're so programmed to noise that when it's not there, that that means something's wrong. That means the speakers are broke. Or the pastor forgot to turn on his microphone. But you know, I wonder how many times has God been on the verge of giving us a word that would have saved us some heartache, that would have saved us some difficulty, that would have ministered to our hurt, but because he chose to speak in the silence... That intimate word was lost, and we didn't hear from him. See, because we expect a God who is all-powerful, and he is. We expect big, grandiose things today with all of the modern technology, And, and God is a God of power and of miracles. And so we expect him in the wind. We expect him in the earthquake. We expect him in the fire. And when he's not in any of those things, well, we just simply move on. Because with this noisy, busy life that we live, we never really expect God to be a whisper. The late Dallas Willard said, the more spectacular God has to speak to get an individual's attention is proof of, that, of the immaturity of that individual. And we find that when Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul, was tormenting Christians... God got his attention with a supernatural beam of light. But as we go on and study the Word, we see that as Paul grows in Christ, we see that it only took a whisper in order to get Paul to change directions or or to go in a different way. And the application for us is that the more that we will mature in Christ, the more we strive to be closer to Him, the fewer earthquakes that we will need to hear the voice of God. And so my prayer today is that we can get to the place of spiritual maturity so we don't have to see something in the sky. We won't have to see the fire, the wind, or the thunder, although they're not as exciting without Paul George. But we will see that when God wants to alter our lives and he wants to give us wisdom for our business or he wants to give us a word for for change in our families or, or a change in our destiny, I pray that all he has to do his whisper, and his gentle voice. Now, I don't know how it is at your house, but at my house, my wife doesn't even have to use a gentle whisper to get me to change. Because my wife is able to inflict the look on me. She she gets that head down like this a little bit, and, and then her eyes are up, you know, and... And I'm sure that there are not any men that have any idea what I'm talking about. I think I better move on on that. See, God is always speaking. God always is wanting to talk to his children. But the problem is most of us don't have the right spiritual equipment in order to hear what he's saying. It's similar to the way that this room is filled with radio frequencies and television waves and and cell phone signals. That's not permission for you to get your cell phone out. But we can't receive what God is tr- the signals that are in this room if we don't have the right antennas and the right equipment. In other words, we're not equipped to receive the signal. And so many times God is speaking to us. He's giving us direction. He's giving us ideas. And there are many times that we are wrestling with problems and we need a word from the God, but the noise in our life drowns out our ability to hear what God is wanting to say to us. See, there are some of us that haven't stopped long enough to hear the voice of God, but then there's others of us who are asking, who do want to hear from God, but there's so much clutter in our minds and so much noise in our life that we can't discern if it's God or if it's someone else's uh, trying to get our attention or even if it's our own personality that's trying to give us information. I mean, it's so ironic. Earlier this week, I was working on this sermon about silence and about God's whisper and and I noticed, like most people, the TV was on in one room, the radio was on in the other, and Starla was yelling at me from the kitchen. Well, no, she really wasn't yelling because you remember the look. She doesn't have to yell. She just gives give me the look. And at that moment, it made me wonder, how many times has God been speaking to me, but I don't have the right equipment on, or I'm on a different frequency that keeps me from hearing what God is trying to say? Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27 says, The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. You see, inside each of us, there's a lamp that directs the path of our life. And it's God's voice. It's a whisper of God that speaks to our inner man that lights our way. It's the light to our path and the lamp to our feet that directs us and speaks to us and corrects us and encourages us and directs our very life. We need to learn to hear that inner voice that leads us down the direction that God wants us to go. You know, in some Eastern religions, the followers will hum to their gods. It's because their gods are mute. Their gods can't speak, and so the people can't speak to their gods. But friend, I want you to know when we pray, we can talk to our Heavenly Father because our God will speak back to us. John chapter 10 verse 3 says the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. We recognize the voice of our father. And you know what's amazing to me is the only requirement in the Word of God for someone to be able to hear the whisper of Almighty God, the Creator of heaven and earth, is to simply be His. To simply be a child of God. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. There's no waiting period. You don't have to have a Ph.D. in theology. All you have to do is be a follower of Christ. And His sheep know His voice. And so the more time you spend in his word and the more time you spend alone with him and the more that you eliminate the noise from your life, the more prone you are to hear the whisper of God. Because listen, I mean, life immerses us in a myriad of human interactions and influences and demands and our schedules are bloated with responsibilities, commitments to family, to the church, to our community, and other worthwhile activities. And then on top of that, Nielsen, the, record, the uh, uh, people who, what, are, what does Nielsen do? Ratings. Thank you. They say that Americans adults spend more than 11 hours a day interacting with media. I mean, we think about that and we think that's a lot. But then if you think about it, it doesn't matter whether you're at the gym or you're at Chili's. There's 15 flat-screen TVs in front of you. You're chowing down on your Mexican tortilla wraps, and the TVs are just blaring. In the majority of places that we go, whether it's home or whether it's out and away, we are consumed in the mindless activity of non-communication. And then you add on top of that social media... where we are are bombarded with electronic, visual, and auditory messages all day long. It's as someone said, our society has conspired to drown out the silence and fill in all the pauses. I mean, how in the world could we hear the whisper of God in this kind of environment? And I have to admit, I'm as guilty as anyone. You know, I have this compulsion to have something going on all the time. You know, when I try to slow down, I get nervous. Some people call that ADD. I call that normal life. ADD spells add, which to me means add something to my to-do list. My mind has been wrongly trained to feel guilty about resting. And so when I'm in the car, I'm dictating emails. I'm making phone calls. Or I'll even have Starla Drive so I can work on on my laptop on a sermon. Now that will keep you prayed up. Boy, you're working along, your head's down, and all of a sudden the car jerks this way, and your head pops up, and there's a big rear end of a dump truck right in front of you. Uh, and Of course, I always have to check my emails in case the governor or the president needs my advice about something. You know, we're so important. We, I mean, we got to keep checking just in case somebody's need, needing to get hold of us. But there's always something going on. There's always noise around us, and the generation before us didn't have to be so intentional about finding some silence and some solitude, because their lifestyles weren't invaded by all the technology that we call amenities and necessities. Now, technology, it is an amenity, but they can also become obstacles that keep us from hearing the voice of God. See, God created us for a relationship with him, and fundamental to that relationship is communication. And essential to communication is listening, and crucial to listening is avoiding distractions. So silence and solitude help us decompress our lives and shut out all of the carnal noise that keeps us from hearing the whisper of God. Now, solitude in its purest sense is withdrawing from people and pressures in order to be alone with God. And author Henry Nouwen said, Without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. But we don't buy that because we think we can hear God just fine with days of our lives blaring in the background. Not bothering us. When we think of solitude and silence, we think of monks in a Monastery. Went to high school with a guy, and he decided he wanted to become a monk. Strangest thing. Well, so he went, and and the requirement was that he could only say two words every three years. You know, there's no women monks. Well, after the first three years, he went to the head monk, and he said, food cold. That was his two words. Three more years went by, and the head monk came to him and said, What are your two words? And he said, Robe dirty. (laughs) Hey, when you only have two words, you got to get to the point. After three more years, my friend went to the head monk and said, I quit. (laughs) Well, the head monk replied, I'm not surprised. All you've done since you got here was complain. Silence and solitude is not what the average person does. But here's the thing, friend. God is speaking all the time. And if you're a Christian, he is speaking to you. I want you to know there is a revelation right now for your business. God wants to give you a word for your family, and you may be at a crossroads, and it seems like God is nowhere to be found, but friend, He is talking to you, but our lives are so busy and full of noise that we haven't stopped long enough to hear what God wants to say to us. It's not just a discipline of priests and monks. It's a discipline of God's people being still long enough to declutter our lives of all this earthly garbage so our Heavenly Father can speak revelation. Into our life. Now you may be sitting there and you say, Well, that sounds interesting, Mike. I might consider that, but what's in it for me? Because after all, I'm going to have to turn off Dr. Phil or Sports Center. So it's got to be worth something, right? Well, aside from communing with the Creator of the universe, the disciplines of silence and solitude will do several things. And this first thing that they do, you know, it doesn't sound like it's a good thing at first, but it is. Because, first of all, silence and solitude, it reveals our inner selves. And when I withdraw from the external world, I discover those inner distractions that I've been trying to outrun all of the negative emotions, all the secret desires, all the bad ideas, all the anxieties that I have in my mind. But see, what happens when we're busy, we don't have time to think about those kinds of things, and so we don't like silence because it's awkward and we're not used to it. But one of the main reasons we don't stop long enough to hear the voice of God is because we're afraid of what we're going to, sco- to discover about ourselves in that moment of silence. And since we can't eliminate those negative thoughts and feelings with the strength of self-help or with our self-will we try to outrun them and if i stay busy enough i won't have to address the ugly things in my life but you see friend those ugly things that are if they're left unchecked they become a spiritual cancer that eat us up on the inside and so, silence and solitude will bring to the surface those things that are not right, those things that are not holy, and those things that are not healthy, so that God can deal with them. Silence and solitude will also allow us to see God's actions in our world and in our homes more clearly. You know, whenever the muddy Mississippi River, when it backs up, well, the rivers and streams that empty into it also get muddy. But when the water recedes, well, before long, the mud in the tributaries will also settle to the bottom, and what was muddy becomes clear. Muddy water becomes clear when it's still for a while. In the same way, when we stay still long enough with God, our lives will lose a muddy clutter, and we'll be able to see what God is doing in the world, what God is doing in our church, what God is doing in our families, what God is doing in our lives, when we can hear Him speak clearly another thing silence and solitude does is it frees us from the outward things that distract our attention from god and what he has to say jesus said in john 10:27 my sheep hear my voice see the purpose of god in this world is not going to be accomplished by just compulsive human effort because to fulfill the will of god in this world it takes sacrifice And many of us don't like sacrifice. So God's will is going to happen by being attentive to the voice of God and obeying the voice of God. But the problem is that God's voice is easy to lose in the midst of noise, pressures, worries, and frantic activity. And so that's why we need to spend time alone with God to be able to hear His voice. We need to get in the quiet and in the still with the Lord and stop and listen to what he has to say. You see, because communication is not a one-way street. If you have a healthy relationship with God, you're going to spend as much time listening to what he has to say to you as you do in sharing what you would like him to do in your life. A simple analogy to that is marriage 101. Marriage 101 says your marriage is not going to be very good if you don't spend as much time listening as you do talking. And a perfect example of this is the husband who was trying to uh, get on to his wife about how much she talks, and he found an article that said that women use 30,000 words a day to a man's 15,000 words a day. I think my sister uses 60,000 words a day. My brother-in-law could be a mute, and none of us would really know much difference if we don't get to spend some time alone with him. Anyway, this article said that women use twice as many words a day as men. And the wife said, well, the reason is because we have to repeat everything twice to you men. And the women shouted, amen. And the husband turned to her and said, what? Did you say something? But don't we ask the same thing to God? What? Lord, did you say something? Is that you? Here's the thing, friend. It's inconceivable to think that God would give us so much to do that we cannot spend extended time with him. If busyness is keeping us from spending time with God, then we need to conclude that we're doing things that God has not called us to do. I mean, even Jesus himself had to get away from the noise. In Luke chapter 5, 16, the Bible says, So Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Do you have any quiet time in your life? Do you have a place in your life that you can go to get rid of the noise? Or do you need someone around all the time? Can you, do you have to have the radio on in the car? Or can you turn it off and be alone with God? You see, Jesus made solitude a way of life. Now we know that he taught that prayer is a spiritual discipline. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. Giving is a spiritual discipline. We know all those things because they're listed in the Bible. But by example, we know that the greatest man who ever lived practiced solitude and silence in order to hear the voice of his father. And so if you spent the same amount of time in silence listening to what God had to say about your solution as you did worrying and talking about it yourself, don't you think you'd have a better opportunity to hear what he has to say about your dilemma I mean, how do you know he wasn't trying to get your attention while you were talking? I mean, because let's face it, after all, God doesn't always sound like James Earl Jones. Luke, I am your father. Simba, you have forgotten me. You see, that's the voice we're looking for. But the problem is that most of the time, the voice of God often sounds like you without the curse words. See, most of us have a difficult time distinguishing, is this me or is this the voice of God? But see, the voice of God is that lamp inside the inner human spirit, oftentimes, according to some translations, a whisper. Other translators say that it's not even that God whispers, but that God speaks to us in the silence. But whichever way is right, we know that God speaks to man through his inner knowing. The Bible said it is a lamp that he puts inside us to guide us. Well, so then, a uh, really important question is how do I know if it's God or if I've just eaten too much pizza when I think I've gotten a revelation? Well, one way I know it's God is because it won't leave me alone. And what it is telling me always lines up with the word of God. God never contradicts himself. Now maybe we don't hear the voice of God because we don't expect to hear the voice of God. Because maybe you've got it all under control and you think you're the master of your own fate and you fully intend to run your life the way that you want to run it. And in fact, his voice would be an unwelcome intrusion into your master plan. Well, you know, we have weather alerts, we have amber alerts, we have silver alerts. Let me give you a life alert, friend. Continual disobedience to God deafens your ear to the voice of God. Chew on that for a minute. Continual disobedience to God deafens you to the voice of God. And let me tell you something else. When you're in a place that you can't hear the voice of God, that is literally a type of hell on earth. You see because hell is not just hell because of the fire and torment. But hell is also hell because of the separation from an all-loving God. And part of that separation is and part of that separation is silence. It is the inability to hear the voice of your creator. There is nothing more lonely than not having that voice inside of you. And someone who's away from God, who's disobedient to God, is not in a position to hear his voice. And the inability to hear the voice of God is a manifestation of hell on earth. Have you ever known, have you ever known Christians who just seem miserable? Don't point... Don't elbow jab. Just keep looking straight. Well, do you think it might be because it's been such a long time since they've had a word from God? I'm not talking about from a preacher. I'm talking about straight from the throne room. It's that word where we we know that we know that God has turned his his attention on us and, and he's speaking directly to us. There is nothing more affirming of God's love to me than through the inner prompting of the Holy Spirit. I have that revelation that God spoke to me into my life. I don't know what that means to you, but my heart is overwhelmed with the fact that God, the, the God of heaven and earth spoke to me of all the people in the world. And as busy as he is, he took time to say something to little old me. And even if I didn't like it, even if he was taking me to the woodshed, it was still God's voice and it is still a sign that he loves me. God chastens those he loves. But there is nothing more disturbing than living a life that has become dead to his whisper. Now, I don't know how you feel about this, but, you know, when people come and ask me for help, it's frustrating when They don't take my advice. And this is especially true in counseling. And it's certainly not that I know so much, but the Bible does. The Bible knows quite a bit about what you're going through. You might dust it off and open up and read it sometime. Maybe you... But when people want to take up your time, but they don't want to follow what God's Word says, it's exasperating. And so I wonder... Does God continue to speak to someone who persists in disobedience to the nudging of the Holy Spirit? Or does he finally just say, what's the use? See, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. That's why God is God. But I do know that continual disobedience will deafen you to the voice of God. And so, friend, let's not let the reason that we don't stop and be still and listen be because we're afraid of what God is going to tell us. That we're afraid that God's going to take us to the woodshed. Because Psalms 4.4 says, search your hearts and be silent. Deuteronomy 27.9 says, then Moses and the priests said to all Israel, be silent, Israel, and listen. Habakkuk 2.20 says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. In the silence that we choose to create intentionally, God will whisper revelation to us. And I know, I know that God wants to speak to someone here today. Someone here today has a decision to make and you've been wrestling all weekend trying to figure out what to do. Some of you here need a word for your marriage. Some of you, God may be calling you into a ministry. But here's the thing, friend. His Word is going to demand a response from your life. And you know, I wonder if that is the reason so many times that we try to stay so busy that we can't hear the Word of God. Because we don't want to do what's required from that Word. The Bible says no one can come to Jesus unless the Spirit draws them. And what that means is I can preach as well as I possibly can, but if the Spirit doesn't work, the words and wisdom of man is not going to touch a heart. But when the Holy Spirit speaks and draws, anything can happen. And if you're away from God today, in a moment of silence, the Holy Spirit can go where a sermon could never go. The Word of God can go where self-help could never go. The Word of God can go where an infomercial at 2 o'clock in the morning can never go. And if you're away from God today, He wants to call you back into a right relationship with Him. And it wouldn't surprise me in a group this size that there's someone in this room who is struggling for approval. But because they, whoever they are, won't give you that approval you feel all alone and you feel like a failure. But I want you to know, maybe in a moment of silence, that's when God is going to whisper to you that I love you and you are important. And give you that nugget of faith that will help you carry on. See, I don't know what God is going to say or what direction he's going to give, but we need to stand still and listen for his voice. We need to learn that as much time as we've been asking, we need to spend that same amount of time listening. Because I believe there are people here today who are living with less than what Jesus died for. Because the truth is, we don't have to hum to our God. We can talk to him and he will talk back to us. And if we will be still long enough to shut out the noise around us, God will speak. To some of you, it's going to be a challenge. To some of you, it's going to be conviction. To others of you, it's going to be hope. But we need to let God speak. And we need to close out the noise of our generation in order to give him a chance to whisper in our lives. Bow your heads with me, if you would. Now, for the, just the next few moments, we're going to be silent, and we're going to give God a chance to speak to us. Now this is in no means what I mean by being silent when we're in a corporate assembly and we just have a limited amount of time. But this is a start because there's so many of us that that any silence at all makes us nervous. We need to have the noise and the distractions and the sounds of something going around us. But just for a few moments, we're just going to sit reverently with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, and we're going to listen for God's still voice. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for loving us enough to communicate with us. Father, let us us get to the place where we know how to hear your voice. Lord, train our ears and soften our hearts. May we be a people who cherish the ability to hear the voice of God more than anything else. God, give us your words. Give us your thoughts. Give us your revelation. Because, Father, you know us better than we know ourselves. So speak your words into our lives. That will draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray.